Ephesians chapter number 4. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. Now, since some of you don't come on Sunday nights, I am moving a Sunday night series to Sunday morning this morning. And, uh, and I want you to follow with me for just a moment. Over the last several Sunday evenings, I've been preaching a series of messages that I've entitled, Holy Who? Holy Who? Now, there are many things in our Bible that are referred to as being holy. Uh, for instance, did you know that God is called holy? In fact, in Isaiah chapter number 6, on three separate occasions, we read that God is holy, holy, holy. So God is holy. And then listen to this. What you just did a few moments ago when you placed your tithe in the offering plate, your gift to God, that's called by the Bible. That is called holy. The Bible says the tithe is holy unto the Lord. Did you know that Bible that's lying in your lap or either you have in your hands this morning, that Bible is referred to as the Holy Scriptures. What about this? Did you know when God saved you, God now looks at you and calls you holy? That's right. God looks at you. I know sometimes people in, in, a, in a manner of ridicule, they'll say something, well, Brother Tim thinks he's holier than anybody else or, or holy Brother Tim or whatever. But can I tell you something? You're right. You're right. I am holy. Not uh, look. I, that's look. I'm not saying that out of arrogance this morning. I'm just saying what God said. God said when He saved us, we become holy. Now pray for me because I'm not only I'm not only called by God holy, but I'm called to be holy as well. That's where a lot of us get confused at a little bit because we can walk around boasting of the fact that we're called holy, but we're also called to be holy as well, and that shows up. In our manner of living. But the holy that I've been referring to and preaching about in these past services is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. They are one and the same. Now, I've been preaching about the Holy Spirit in recent services, and the reason I've been doing that is because of two things. Really, uh, number one, because of the problem of ignorance when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I mean, I intend not to insult anybody's intelligence by saying that people are ignorant about the Holy Spirit uh, because there's a lot of things in this walk of life that i got to freely confess that I'm ignorant about, I lack knowledge about. For instance, you don't want to come to the hospital and see me walk through the operating doors in a green attire with a knife coming towards you because I'm here to tell you, friend, I know nothing whatsoever about surgery whatsoever. You come, maybe I could take your tithe out. About that's the only thing I probably could take out. But uh, I, I'm not a surgeon. I don't know anything about it. I'm ignorant. I freely confess that I'm ignorant when it comes to that. Well, truth of the matter is there's a lot of people who are ignorant. They lack knowledge when it comes to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. They're in, uh, they, they may be intelligent people. They may have degrees on the wall. But when it comes to anything scriptural or anything uh, such as the Holy Spirit, they are spiritually ignorant of of the knowledge of who the Holy Spirit really is. They're like these people over in the book of Acts chapter 19 and verse number 2 where Paul said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost or not. There's a lot of people, they're ignorant when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. They either have, either have never heard about him or they certainly lack knowledge regarding him. So the problem is number one, ignorance. And then the second 
second problem. And the second reason that prompted me to preach this series of messages is not only because of ignorance, but because of indifference toward the Holy Spirit. Now look at me. You go out on the average street in the average town of America, walk up to the average American and say, who is the Holy Ghost? Who is the Holy Spirit? And they're probably going to look at you like, who are you? There's a lot of ignorance. But you know something? In the church today, there's a lot of indifference when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. Here's some synonyms of the word indifference. Impervious, nonchalant, neglectful, unconcerned. There's a lot of saved people who will live in heaven when they die. People who, who may not understand when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? When you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved into your heart and took up His abode. The very moment you believed, guess what? You received the Holy Spirit. Uh, the very moment that you got saved, when you gave your heart to Jesus, God gave you the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, look at me, you're not even saved to start with. There's a verse in our Bible in Romans chapter 8, in verse number 9 says, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. He came in the very moment that we believed, and the Holy Spirit will never, ever leave us. The Holy Spirit loves us better than we love ourselves and he desires to help us and yet it seems like there are a lot of people, saved people who are ignorant and they are in, they're indifferent to the person of the Holy Ghost. Ask, ask the average churchgoer in America who the Holy Spirit is and maybe they'll confess that they've heard about him but they have very little knowledge about the preeminent and the paramount part that he longs and desires to play in our lives. Now, watch this. I'm coming in now to my message this morning. I want you to listen to me just a moment. The one thing I've tried to stress over every one of these messages thus far is the fact that the Holy Ghost is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, wait a minute. We do not worship three gods. We do not worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost as three gods. We worship one God that is manifested in three ways. There is one God, one Lord, and that one God is manifested in the person of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I've tried to emphasize the fact this thus far that the Holy Ghost is just as much God as Jesus is God and as God the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. If you believe that, that, would you say amen? I believe that this morning. And if that be true, and it is, then I want to stop and read you one of the most amazing verses in our Bible. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning and look at verse number 30. And here's what we read. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. Look up here. Everybody focus this direction. I want to preach this morning on this thought. When we make God cry. That, that word grieve. You know, I, I got to make a confession this morning. I really do. I know confession is good for the soul, but it's bad on the reputation. But I got some confessions that I need to make this morning. Here's the first confession. I have done things before that has made my mama cry. 
And I'm so ashamed of that. You know, sometimes when I get to thinking about my mama, she's in heaven now, and I think back about those times in her life when she stood before me and she cried because of something that I'd said to her or something that I'd done, and she stood before me. I tell you, I'd rather for mama to whip me any day of the week than to stand before me and cry. I tell you, I feel about that tall when I made my mama cry. There were times in my life she stood before me and the tears just dripped off her cheeks. And I, I tell you, it just, it hurt me so bad. I, I, I just said, now I didn't want daddy to whip me, but mama couldn't hurt me. And so I, I'd rather her any day of the week to whip me than for her to stand before me and cry. I've done things before that's made my mama cry. As bad as what I'm about to say, it's true. I, I've done things before, said things before that's made my wife cry. I'll tell you what, it, it just, it tears me up to think about. When my wife, when she starts crying, I'm telling you, I'm hunting the exit sign somewhere. I'm telling you, I'm trying to get out of there, trying to do something to make something right. I'll tighten down some screws. I'll drive some more nails in. Hey, I'll throw some more paint. Whatever it is, when she cries, there's something about that that just, I, I can't stand it for her to cry. I, I've done some things before that's made my children cry. Maybe in a time of, of anger or maybe in a time of misunderstanding. I've, I've done something to one of my children that's made them cry. I'll tell you, I've lost sleep before because I've made my children cry. Maybe I've been a little bit too hard on them when I should have been a little bit more loving toward them. And, and I made them cry. And I'll tell you, it really, it bothers me. I think about those times I've had the discipline or, or uh, you know, whip my children before. And it, it bothers me when I go to bed and try to, try to go to sleep after all that. I'm telling you, friend, I've done a lot of things in my life that's made people cry. I've made my little grandbabies cry before. I don't know what it is, but it seems like every time they get hurt, I'm somewhere in the vicinity. I don't know what it is. I tell you, I have laid awake many a night grieving over the fact that my little grandbabies had got hurt in my presence. I, they have cried. They've had to go to the hospital, get stitches or whatever because maybe I was doing something, maybe wasn't paying as much attention as I should have pay, paid to them. And I got to tell you something, it tears me up when I make somebody cry. It tears me up. Uh, sometimes I can't even go to sleep about that. But oh, to think that I could do something to make God cry. I'll tell you, if there's anybody in this world that you, that you don't want to make cry, it's God. Now, I said a moment ago, the Holy Spirit is God. You said amen to that. And now we read right here in our text this morning that there are some things that you and I can do, or maybe as the case may be, there's some things that we don't do that can make the Holy Spirit grieve. You think about that word grieve for just a moment. Think about this. The word grieve means to cry. It means to lament. It means to wail or to weep or to sorrow. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. 30-second time out. Look this way. You mean to tell me there's something that I can do that can make God sorrow and wail and weep and cry? Well, if the Bible be true, and it is. This verse seems to indicate there's something that you and I can do or some things that we can do that makes God cry. We can grieve God. Can I ask you a question? You ever met anybody that's very sensitive? You ever met anybody that was very delicate and touchy and, and a little bit emotional? You have to be real careful around them. You know right now somebody's done popped in your mind 
right now, either in your family or somebody in the church or somebody you work with. Oh, you got to be careful around them because they are very, very sensitive. The old saying is you got to handle them with kids' gloves or else you may hurt their feelings. I can, <laughs> I won't call names, but let me look in some directions this morning. Uh, I know several people, several people that are very sensitive and you, you got you to gotta be careful around them because they're good people. They really are. They're good people. But the least little thing that you say or maybe if you don't speak to them or, or, or maybe if you just, you know, don't handle them in such a, a certain type of manner, they get, their, they get their feelings hurt. Now, I want you to look at me. The Holy Spirit is not fickle. But the Holy Spirit is sensitive. Can I tell you the most sensitive person in this room this morning is the Holy Ghost of God. The most sensitive person in this world today is the Holy Ghost. And he grieves and he cries at the drop of a hat. He very easily gets his feelings hurt. He very easily begins to weep. Somebody said, preacher, preacher, tell me more, tell me more. What do I do that makes God cry? Well, I'm glad you asked this morning because I want you to look in this text. And what I did just this week is I went back through this, these verses here and, and I lifted out three things from this text right here that makes God cry. Now, again, I regret making my mama cry. I regret, I regret, I can only imagine how many tears my precious mama shed over me because of some of the things I'd done or some of the things I've said. I, I dread, I, I, I don't, it upsets me severely. It, it bothers me when my wife starts crying. It bothers me. You men will know what I'm talking about. I'll fix anything that I can fix or tear up something I can tear up when my wife starts crying. That bothers me, my kids and my grandchildren. But I tell you, the one person that you and I ought to so live so carefully that we would never grieve or make cry is the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I want to just go through this text this morning. And what I'm going to do, and look at me, this is part one of two parts today. But I want to give you three things that you and I do that makes God cry. And I want you to look right here in our text. Here we go. Number one, as I looked into this text, I saw this. Number one, we make God cry. Watch this now. Guys, men, look up here. We make God cry, number one, when we lose control. When we lose control. Now look back in Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse number 26. And here's what we read. Be and be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know what? When we get angry and we lose control, you know what we're doing? We're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're literally breaking the heart of the Holy Spirit when we lose control in a time of anger. Now, I don't think, and maybe there are some ladies here that, that, that are like that. I don't know. I hope not. But, you know, probably some of us men right now are probably looking for an exit sign. You're looking over there and maybe some of these exit signs and thinking, man, I wish I could get out of this because you lost control this morning. Or maybe you lost control yesterday. Or looking back over this past week, you lost, anger came, you got angry about something, and you lost control. Well, let me tell you something about anger. Anger in and of itself is not wrong. Can I tell you this? God gets angry. 
You mean to tell me that there's a God in heaven who's holy that gets angry? Well, that's what the Bible said. In Psalms 85, verse number 6, Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Let me tell you something, friend. God gets ticked off once in a while. Uh, whether uh, I know people like to paint God as some kind of a doting grandpa sitting up in heaven. I mean, in a rocking chair with long white hair and long white beard. And uh, boy, he just loves everybody. He's like some big old kind of fuzzy uh, grandpa, big old thick hands. And he just, lo and I get all that. God loves everybody. But I'm telling you, there's some things we can do that ticks God off, friend. And let me tell you something. There's some things going on in America today that's ticking God off. Anytime we thumb our nose in the face of God and think we're going to do what we want to do and just step over His Word and trounce on the Word of God and say, I don't care what the Bible said. I'm here to tell you, friend, God gets angry about that. God gets angry. Can I tell you this? Jesus gets angry. Mark chapter number 3 and verse number 5, the Bible said, When he looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart. I mean, he got angry. We even got an illustration of our Bible when he went to the house of God and acted like it was WWF. He went in the house of God. They were selling things and ripping people off. He started turning tables over, making a whip, running people out of the house of God because he was angered by what he saw going on. Hey, God the Father gets angry. And God the, uh, the Son, they get angry. There's nothing wrong with anger. But when we allow our anger to cross the line and take us over into, in, into sin and we start doing things and saying things that are wrong. You hear me and hear me well, friend. We grieve the Holy Spirit when that happens. We cause God to cry. Verse 26, be ye angry. Wait, wait a minute. Go ahead and get mad, but read the rest of that. And sin not. When our anger crosses that line and the first thing you know, we're calling people names and, and we're saying words that we shouldn't be saying, friend. We've done crossed the line. We've got over into sin. And the Bible said, hey, wait a minute. Don't hold that in. You need to go make that right right away. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let, don't let that anger in their fest. You know, many people are like a volcano, aren't they? They rumble and rumble. They quake and they shake. They spew and they steam. And then they erupt. Some of you probably sitting here, you know, it takes a whole lot uh, for somebody to push my buttons. But when they push my buttons, I lose all control. Look at me. You're grieving God when that happens, friend. You're causing God to weep. When, when you erupt, you're a 9.9 .9 on the Richter scale. And it is ugly. Oh, it's ugly when I lose control. It's bad, friend. You know, the one thing we're hearing a lot about in our day that we didn't hear about 30 years ago is something called road rage. You hear about that a lot. Now, don't look down. We ain't praying right now. But it's something called road rage. As I prepared this message, I got this message on Tuesday morning of this week. I typed into the Google bar, road rage. On Tuesday morning of this week, there was a lady in Texas that was shot in the head and killed in a road rage incident. A little bit later on, same state in the state of Texas, a man was shot in his left hand because he got into an incident with somebody on, on, a in, on the, driving down the road. Road rage. In 2022, 550 people were shot 
during road rage incidences. That, that calculates to be one every 16 hours somebody's either shot or killed in a road rage incident. They, they get angry. I mean, it's unbelievable. People just driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and everybody's done that before. Hey, I've, now I've been driving down the road fiddling with the radio trying to get something or whatever and maybe drift over in the other lane. Man, you do that today, somebody's going to kill you over that. They lose control. But let me tell you something. Road rage is not just something that happens on the road. Road rage is something that happens in our homes. And road rage is something that happens sadly even in the house of God. People get angry and they lose control over the self. And only if they knew how bad that grieves the Holy Ghost of God when we lose control in a time of anger. Us men go to work and then come home and take something out that happened on the job, take it out on our families, cuss at our wives and, and our children. And oh, how we break the heart of God. Oh, how we make God weep when that happens. Maybe if you ladies, you get frustrated at the kids and you cross the line, start cursing and swearing at them. Oh, if we could only understand how bad that grieves and breaks the heart of God. Hey, the only way that you can bring your anger under control Ladies and gentlemen, it's to get full of the Holy Ghost of God. And God and God alone can help you bring that anger under control. Oh, we, we grieve. We make God cry when we lose control. Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody lost control this week? Anybody in here? Uh, sir, let me ask your wife. Since she won't own up to it. Ma'am. Your husband lose control this week. Now don't look at, don't point to him. I'm just saying, did he lose control? <laughs> Sir, can I ask you, did your wife lose control with the children this week? If we could just understand, if we could only get it in our minds, when our anger gets the best of us, we cross that sin line. We step across that line and we get over into an area where a man now all we're spewing out is just malice and hatred and, and trying to hurt somebody with our words. Friend, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, we make God cry when that happens. We grieve the Holy Ghost when we lose control. All right, number two. You say, oh, I'm pretty good preacher on that one. I got it. All right, I got you. You ready? We also grieve God when we love chatter. We grieve God. And I'm not trying to get you this morning. I'm just trying to say, man, let's don't, let's don't, let's don't make God cry. When we, when we lose control, be angry and sin not. Look at verse 27. Let me go back and just say this one about that. Neither give place to the devil. Look at me. Hear me and hear me well. When we get angry, when we, get, when we cross that line, you know what we're doing? We're opening our heart up for the devil to move in. We're opening our life up for the devil to get the best of us. We better bring our anger under the control of the Holy Spirit. But now watch this. We also grieve God. We also make God cry when we love chatter, when we love gossip. I mean, when all we, all we desire to do is just pass along, smut on other people. There's an old puzzle or an old riddle that goes something like this. And it resurfaces from time to time, but it goes like this. When a tree falls in the woods and there's nobody, here to, nobody there to hear it, does it make a sound? Have you ever been asked that before? 
If a tree falls in the woods and there's nobody there to hear it, does it make a sound? Look at me. Does it make a difference? But the obvious answer to that is, of course it makes a sound because there's always somebody there to hear it because God's everywhere. And God hears everything. And just as God hears every sound from every tree that falls in the world where there's nobody at, God hears every word that you and I have to say. And ladies and gentlemen, when we use our words in a, in a wrong way, it grieves God. It grieves the Holy Ghost. And it makes God cry when we use our words in the wrong way. Let me show you something. Look, go back to verse 25. Here, here's three, three things about our tongue. Love and chatter. Look at verse 25. First of all, when it comes to lying, when it comes to lying, we grieve God. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You know something when we lie? Did you realize this, that you and I are never more like the devil than when we're telling a lie? We are just like, you know why I say that? Because the Bible said in John 8, 44, look at that last phrase, speaking of the devil, he is a liar and the father of it. We are never more, any more like the devil than when we're telling a lie. We are mim mimicking we are imitating the, the person of the devil when we tell a lie. Lying, ladies and gentlemen, grieves God. And by the way, we're never more like Jesus than when we're telling the truth. Because we read this about Jesus, I'm the way, the poof, truth. I mean, when we lie, we're like the devil. When we're telling the truth, we are like Jesus. But wait a minute now. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit is called in our Bible? He is called... The spirit of the truth. And ladies and gentlemen, we grieve God. We hurt God. We cause God to cry when we lie. God help us. We need to put away lying and, and speak every man truth with his neighbor. And especially, you know, there's time to time, uh, from time to time, I'll have to deal with a husband and, and their wife or uh, they'll come to me and their marriage is on life support and they're thinking about pulling the plug on it. He's been unfaithful. She's caught him running around or maybe uh, maybe texted some lady and she, he's got pictures or it could be vice versa. There's pictures on the phone or they've been caught up in this place or, or in that place and and, uh, you know, uh, first thing you know, they're sitting there and, and you start trying to help them get straightened out and at least get back on speaking terms and try to convince them not to get a divorce, to try to just let God heal the situation. And, uh, and maybe they come back the next time and he says, I'm just done with this. She don't trust me. I mean, she's got to know where I've been, who I've been with. She's got she's to have a schedule of my stops. And, and I just want to look at that guy and say, look, don't get mad at her. Go in the bathroom, cut the light on, you the low-down scout that caused her to lose her trust in you. And ladies and gentlemen, when we lie, we destroy our marriages. Speak the truth. We are never more like the devil when we tell, than when we tell a lie. We grieve God when we're lying. You teenagers, you grieve the Holy Ghost. You make God cry when you lie to your mom and daddy about what you've been doing. When you lie about what's been put out there on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and whatever else there is. You, and you lie about that. Listen, we're grieving God. We're causing God to cry when we are in the process of lying. Boy, I'm telling you, if you anybody that ought to speak truth, it ought to be the people of God. Number one, lying. Number two, when it comes to 
I don't have my glasses on. Does that say gossiping? We grieve God, ladies and gentlemen, when we, when we gossip, when we want to spread the latest smut on somebody. Look at verse 29, same chapter. And look, look, watch this. I've been watching TVN. I've been reading KJV. And it's right here in this KJV right here in verse number 29. It says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto thee here. When we use our tongues to spread things that are not true about others, or we use our tongues to spread things that may be true about others, but are not beneficial for other people to know, can I tell you something? It still hurts. This verse speaks about corrupt communication. Let me tell you something. In case you don't know this, the one thing about corrupt communication, corrupt communication 100% of the time is when we gossip. If you and I would be honest this morning, we would all have to admit that not one time that we've ever heard gospel that has either been shared with us or we've told somebody else was ever beneficial or helpful to that person. Listen, this verse speaks about edifying. This verse speaks about building up. I've never heard any gossip that's ever built anybody up. Have you? I've never heard any smut on anybody's life that's built them up. It always tears them down. And can I stop and remind you of something? The only person in this world that has the right to spread gossip is the person who has never sinned. The only person who has the right, the legitimate right to gossip about anybody is anybody is somebody who is without sin. And let me just tell you something, in case you didn't know this, they ain't none of us without sin. The only person I know that's without sin is Jesus. And have you ever thought about this? The only people who could do who could share gospel and do it right and have the legitimate excuse to do it is God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Ghost. Because let me tell you something, they know the smut and the baggage about every one of our lives in this room. They're well aware of it. But aren't you glad they keep quiet about it? They could do it and get by with it and it would be legitimate. But ladies and gentlemen, it is not the desire of the Trinity to tear us down. It is the desire of the Trinity to build us up, to encourage us, to edify us. Hear, hear me and hear me well. They know the dirty little secrets about everybody in this room. They know who you've been with, what you've done, what you've said, what you've texted, what you've saw, what you've posted. They know all about that. But they don't say anything about it. You know why? Because they love us. They want to build us up and not tear us down. And ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you this? Why are we constantly in the habit of tearing people down? Don't everybody need to know everything's going on in somebody's life? Don't everybody need to know the dirty little secrets of your family? Don't everybody need to know the, 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 what your wife's done or what your husband's done? Hey, there's some things we ought to just stay quiet about. There's a verse in our Bible in Ephesians chapter 5 that says it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in, in secret. That's in the King James, not in the TBN, but it's in the KJV. I'm telling you, friend, God said stay quiet about that. We grieve God. We make God cry when we, all we do is spread gossip around. Don't everybody need to know that mess? You make it worse when you go from person to person and person to person and all you want to do is share that old smud and that old garbage and that old dirt. Keep your mouth shut about it. I love you. Be quiet. And for those of you I don't like, shut up. 
kidding, loving, gossiping, lying. I'm telling you, it grieves God when that happens. Watch this, lying, gossiping. Number three, does that say cursing? I got my glasses on. Can I show you something? Look over in Ephesians chapter 5 and look at verse number, verse number 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking. They're not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. You know what this verse is teaching us is this. That verse there, don't, don't use filthy talking. Somebody once said this, that cursing is nothing more than Oh, I just forgot it. Cursing is nothing more than the, than the, the, uh, the attempt of a feeble mind to force itself upon somebody. Forcing. That's not exactly how that goes. But I'll tell you what, you, you, we really show our stupidity when all we can do is just curse. So well, I'm big, bad, and strong. Well, you can do that in a whole lot of different ways. Hey, bless God, go out here and pick a car up and throw it down. If you want to prove how strong you are, you don't have to cuss somebody out. That's not making you look any better. Have you ever thought about this? Insanity, uh, profanity, the insanity of profanity. Have you ever thought about that before? I mean, profanity, cursing is one sin that you and I can do and we get nothing in return for it except the judgment of God. For instance, go out here and steal a tire. At least you got a tire. Hey, go commit immorality. At least you got gratification of, of your heart. What do you get for profanity? Nothing. All you get is trouble with God. It gets you in trouble. That's all you get. You got to think about this day and age in which we live. I'm wrapping this up. I know we've had all we can take of it. But I, I, I thought about this. Listen to this. You think about the day in which we live. You better be careful with your words. You better not say anything that can be construed as racist, sexist, or homophobic. And yet this crowd can run around and take the name of our God in vain and nothing's ever said about it. But you better dare not insult somebody. You better not call him a he if she thinks she's a she. Whatever. You better not call him a her if him thinks he's not a her. Or whatever. I'm confused. Y'all going to have to pray for me. I about halfway got dementia anyway. I can't figure this stuff out no more. He's not a he, she's a she, but he is a he, but he thinks he's a she, so he's a she. Help me, somebody. I'm from the dark ages. I'm from John Boy Walton era, friend. I don't understand all that. But better, you better not, my wife, she tells me all the time when we pull up to a drive-thru, don't say yes, ma'am, no more. Don't say yes, sir. You don't know. So I, what do you do? How do you talk to people anymore? Don't you say anything that's racist, sexist, or homophobic. Yet you can GD this and GD that and GD everything. Nobody ever said, hey, friend, I'm here to tell you, we grieve God when we talk like that. We're God's people. We're called to a holy standard, a higher standard. And God forbid that any of us men walk around and use those words and, and ungodly things. And look, we're sending people around us that are lost to hell because they're not seeing any difference in our life. We're destroying our families and our wives and our children. Hear me and hear me well. We're grieving God when that takes place. <laughs> 
It ain't right. Excuse my English. When we lose control, when we love chatter, every time we listen, every time you listen to somebody that's giving some smut on somebody, God, the Holy Ghost is sitting right there beside of you, crying his eyes out. You say, what's the answer? Tell him you don't want to hear it, especially when it comes to me. Some of y'all want to get on that Facebook, chew me up, spit me out. Like I'm going to see it anyway. Like I, I don't even want to know about it. You know why? Because when I come to church, I just want to walk up to you and shake your hand and tell you I love you. I don't care. You say whatever you want to say about me. I don't care. But I tell you what, I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost of God because you bring me some old chatter, some old, some old gossip about somebody. I don't want to hear that mess, man. I got enough problems. Somebody called me the other day and said, hey, I'd like to send you some pictures. I said, man, don't you send them things to me. I don't want that mess on my phone because if he gets on my phone, it'll get in my mind and when I see that person, that's what's the first thing that's going to pop in my mind. Don't you send me that garbage. I don't want to hear the mess. Now you say whatever you want to about me. I don't care. I ain't going to hear about it no way unless somebody tells me. And I hope they don't even tell me. But I'm just going to tell you this, man. I don't, want to, I don't want to make God cry. I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. I don't want to put tears in the eyes of the one who loved me so much that he died for me. When I listen to that mess and curse like a sailor and, and, and lie and tear down and destroy people. God help us. I wish I could get it across like it's in my heart this morning. But look at me. You ain't heard nothing till tonight. So tonight you come back and I want to tell you the third thing that we do that makes God cry. Number one, say it with me. What? Number one, you lost control this week. Number two, what? Don't listen to it. Don't speak it. Don't listen to it. Don't speak it. Don't repeat it. Don't listen to it. You better be glad, and I better be glad the Holy Ghost don't, don't share gossip, gossip on us. <laughs> oh, brother, I'd be without a church. Or if I had one, wouldn't have any members. If you knew me like I knew me, you wouldn't want to come hear me, hear me preach. And if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't want you to come hear me preach. We in a mess. Let's don't tear each other down. Let's edify. Let's build each other up. It's enough garbage floating around. Use your tongue to build others up. Love chatter grieves God. Let's pray.